Welcome, True Believer readers, to Let's Read Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, a division of Let's Read Spider-Man, a proud member of the Pacepot Patreon Podcast Network. Pacepot Patreon Podcast Network is home to many great podcasts. One that might interest you is a podcast about J. Jonah Jameson. Join J.J. as he tells his exploits from creating the Daily Bugle to creating Now Magazine, raising an astronaut, and standing up to Spider-Man. Listen to Tales of a Humble Servant on the Pacepot Patreon Podcast Network. Yes, J. Jonah, known as the humble everything. I'm not sure if that will accurately portray his personality, uh, but I, I do know Joe Robbie works for him. Uh, he's a much more humble servant, and he's in our next book. That's from October of 1986. Stanley presents Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, 119. Catfight by David Buckler and McLoyd. Eddie, this issue recaps what's been going on in the previous books. As it continues and unfolds along, uh, you find out that Sabretooth is in the hospital, of course, recovering from ripping Spider-Man's webbing off his face, but he kills his doctor, and then he kills the two guards. Eddie, he's seeking revenge against the wall crawler. MJ thinks she wants Peter to talk about his latest superhero exploits, uh, but via her reactions... The reader knows she's not ready. Yeah. Uh, likewise, re- relationship issues. Uh, Peter rips up some headshots of the black cat saying that relationship is over. And MJ tells him that she never understood that relationship anyway. Although MJ says the black cat has, quote, some outstanding attributes if you like that sort of thing, close quote. <laughs> Sick burn, MJ. <laughs> Uh, I like how she cajoles Peter into hanging out by throwing a party at his house. She says, you might skip out on your old friend MJ, but a half a dozen? (laughs) Another nice play by her. She's got Peter's number big time. Yeah, and at that party, there's a funny sequence where uh, Randolph and Amanda Robertson meet their neighbors Bambi, Candy, and Randy. So, again, the Robertson's names are really Randy and Mandy. So... Uh, Peter introduces them like one at a time to each other. And he says like, you know, Randy, Bambi, Randy, Candy, Randy, Randy, Mandy, Bambi, Mandy, Candy, Mambi, Randy. There's also a lot of talk about babies and who has them and who wants them. And then Peter tries to sneak out anyway, even with this big party with all these people. Uh, As he knows, Sabretooth is sniffing him out and he sees that the villain is approaching the party. Uh, after killing two more cops, Sabretooth turns to kill some innocent bystanders. Why not? Uh, when a black suit finally attacks him from behind. The black suit, of course, is... The Black Cat. I was mighty surprised to see the Black Cat. Uh, in this book, she dumped or all her Spidey photos into the uh, East River... And she said it was over. But I guess she wanted to settle the score uh, from when Sabretooth broke into her house uh, in 118. And Peter, I should say Spider-Man, actually, quote, saved her. So she's there. She's ready to fight. Well, the book wraps up as Sabretooth almost kills her. But she gets lucky and decimates him. The cops casually arrest the villain who would killed four cops earlier today and they just put him back in the hospital the book ends with Sabretooth still thinking about revenge Uh, Peter, MJ, and Felicia all examining the relationships with each other and then uh, Felicia 
hooking up with the foreigner. I remember Peter had a chance to hook up with uh, a foreigner. That was your Canadian crush, uh, Francis de Leon. Uh, but he passed on that, Eddie. Uh, as Felicia, uh, as Felicia, did I. <laughs> oh, okay. We're not really sh- we don't really have to talk about that either way here. But you know, you, you go you stick with what story you want to have there. It's fine. It's, I've heard it both ways. Oh, Felicia beating up Sabretooth in Peter's presence. It's actually a scheme she's concocted with the foreigner. I I find this so interesting because I think the foreigner, very intelligent, clearly very confident in everything he does. Well, I thought this previous book was pretty good and it had a great title. Let's see if this one also has a great title. From October of 1986, Stanley presents Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, Annual 6, Ace 2, by David Beecham and Rubenstein. It's actually a fair title since it is a sequel to Ace, which was Annual 5. (laughs) Agreed. All right. I'm not a big fan of these annuals, so I'm not going to go into as much detail as I did in the previous book. But quickly, Ace's brother Lorenzo killed Vince DeFeo, a shop owner. And in the previous annual, if you remember, Ace testified against him. In this annual... Ace's mother dies and DCF wants to take away Ace's sister. During testimony against his brother, Ace is accused by the defense of lying so he could reclaim his gang leadership. Ace flees the court. He reluctantly told the truth and is tired of being called a liar. In a very forced situation, Spider-Man fights him to make him testify again? (laughs) In the end, Ace leaves and the case is declared a mistrial. Vince DeFeo's son plans his own revenge. Uh, it's a sad book. It, it details street life in the 80s and the lack of options a person has who's born into it. Uh, but Ace is a slick character with some very cool powers. He's kind of able to anticipate Spider-Man's moves when he's fighting him. And at one point, he clearly has the chance to kill Spider-Man with a knife, but he doesn't. I also like how he fights with sunglasses on. Too cool to take off his shades for any reason. Sure. I'm excited that he fights with his sunglasses on, too. Can we get back to the... uh, Get back to the regular books. I'm really interested in what's going on. I can't wait to see what they did to finish the story. So let's... What's going on with Sabretooth and, and, um, and, and Felicia and... MJ and Peter. I can't wait, Eddie. Yeah, the Foreigner, too. Uh, yeah. From November of 1986, Stan Lee presents Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 120, A House is Not a Home, by Mantelo, Griffin, and Coletta. Wow, it changed writers and artists. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh is right. <laughs> Eddie, according to Marvel fandom, that's like the Marvel wiki I use. Yes. This filler story appears to have been written in a timeline which would be July of 1979, not November of 86. That is because Peter is living across the hall in the story from Gloria Grant. Yes, listeners, I have been looking for her. I did not realize I was going to have to go back to 1979 to find her. However, we will we will continue. We will continue because that's what we do here on Let's Read Spider-Man. We read Spider-Man. Let's see if this is a, maybe it's a good story, right? We don't know. A literal gang has been harassing tenants so a landlord could convert a building to luxury condos. 
Peter Parker and Spider-Man both use their alter egos to try to convince the police, the press, or other tenants to do something. The gang takes extreme measures, killing a tenant and lighting the place on fire. Although some justice comes in this issue, it is implied there is more landlord corruption going on elsewhere in the city. That's it. So like that. It's the whole book. <laughs> you know the gang is bad in this book because they all have weird misshapen heads and facial features. <laughs> I'm not sure if I have much else to say other than I think these guys look funny. <laughs> Can we hope to see the foreigner cooking up more schemes in the next one, maybe? Yeah, uh, I'm sure we will. We can't have too many of these in a row. So let's get back to the main story, Eddie. Where? What's the next book from? From December of 1986, Stanley presents Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man 121, Eyewitness, by David Romita Jr., Bushima, McLeod, and Cooperberg. All right, well, we still had David. That's a good start. So yes. Good. Okay. Joe Robbie approaches MJ, Peter and Jonah, as the three of them sit in a restaurant. Okay. I, I, I could barely, you could, like, I know what's going to happen here, James B., and it's very hard, <laughs> but you may continue. Go ahead. You know, the listeners don't know which way this is going to go. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're excited about the, you know, big battle with the foreigner and Sabretooth. And... <laughs> right, right. As I mentioned, Eddie, Joe Robbie approaches MJ, Peter, and Jonah as they sit in a restaurant. See, MJ convinced Peter to take J. Jonah out to ask for a raise. She is working hard to be nice to J. Jonah Jameson. Robbie hears that they just came from the scene of a bank robbie and asks for details. I mean, he is an investigative reporter here. MJ and J. Jonah Jameson tell very long, very flattering stories, both making Jonah the hero and Spider-Man a possible criminal. Predictably, Robbie convinces Peter to share the real story. MJ is annoyed, and the drunk J. Jonah Jameson stumbles away. <laughs> Peter's stuck picking up the check. He deserves that, along with anyone who had any part in creating this book, I think. Uh, the previous book could be a Pulitzer Prize compared to this one. Uh, in J. Jonah's retelling, he does a backflip in order to avoid the bank robber. Uh, even a drunken blowhard like Jonah, it's hard to imagine that this could be at all occurring in a Spider-Man book. <laughs> I don't know why we can't continue the awesome story that we ended with in 119. Jim Shooter's still in charge. I, I, he shouldn't be letting this happen. I guess, James B., here's looking towards 1987, which will be our next Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man, right? That's a good point. It's a good point. Eddie, I have a request for the Spotify listeners. Uh, yes. What is it, James B.? Okay. So 90 of our Spotify listeners have given us a rating. Uh, most of them five-star ratings, which is what we want, of course. But uh, the Spider-Man podcast that currently has the most like ratings in total is at 109 ratings. So if we can get 20 of our listeners who are listening right now to click on that whole about and rate our podcast... And, you know, again, you know, five stars is what we're looking for, of course. Yeah. Uh, we should be able to get to 110 ratings. So there you go. Uh, what if a uh, listener wants to give us a four-star rating? <laughs> Perish forbid. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, in that case, I just sent us a message saying what we need to do to improve it. We, we do take our feedback very seriously. It's, we 
anytime somebody says anything to us, we, we find a way to incorporate it because we're that kind of show. Yes. Eddie, this episode right now that we're recording, which is 224, it's going to release a week before 228 is recorded. So I will put in the show notes to give you an update during 228 Ooh. to see if anyone helped us out or we still have like a hundred bots following us. That's why we can't get our, no, we, we have, we have real listeners because somebody's giving us these ratings, but you know, we'd love to get those last 20 ratings. And so uh, let's see if we can get that done soon. Uh, okay. Sounds good. James B. And now it's time for the close. I'm James B joined by Eddie. And remember listeners that let's read Peter Parker. The spectacular Spider-Man is a division of let's read Spider-Man, a proud member of the PaySpot Patreon podcast network. The PaySpot Patreon podcast network is home to many great podcasts. One that might interest you is a podcast about friendship for a man named Corey, a Canadian singer who gives up his career to raise his four children and his relationship with a former New York gang member who also changes his ways for his family. Listen to their shared stories in the podcast, We Wear Our Sunglasses at Night, Wednesdays at 3 a.m. on the PacePot Patreon Podcast Network. It was so inspiring to start off there, James B. <laughs> a Canadian singer, huh? Well, I, I mean, I guess we could listen to this. Why not? It is our sponsor for the day. Try it out. Goodbye. Bye. Bambi lies about having a baby in Peter Parker's Spectacular 119. They're at the party, and Liz hands the baby to Bambi, Peter's neighbor. And uh, she says, no thanks, no kids for me. I don't need morning sickness for nine months and, uh, you know, my belly to get all big. And Peter's like, that's weird, because I've seen her with her kid before. <laughs> oh, Peter says that, right? Yes, he thinks it. He doesn't say it out loud, but thinks it. And he's like, that's why great. would she... Why would yeah, she that, think he's not, you know, why would she think she didn't have a child? Lie about it, so. Uh, I was so hung up on my Randy, Randy, Bambi, Randy, Randy, Mandy sequence, of course. But yes, uh, I'm super intrigued by that. We've had a lot of debates about this kid, remember? Yeah. I said the, the kid was on the roof uh, the other day, and you weren't sure if it was a girl, like right. it was one of the girls, one of the kids. Like, I, the storyline is not over. Yeah, he had gone to see, or she had gone to see the bad Santa Claus, too, at one point. That's where... Santa Claus figured out how where or Bambi lived or whatever uh, a couple of issues ago. It, it's going to be something interesting, and I'm rather interested in it too, or excited yeah. about. It, I should say. Speaking of Peter uh, living next to all these like uh, hot women, did you catch <laughs> what uh, Joe Robbie says uh, to Peter when he meets all these girls? You know, James B. I enjoyed 119 very much. I thought it was a great book, but 120 and 121 left me. I guess, wanting. I didn't spend too much time on it. So Joe Robbie at one point says, when I was your age, my next door neighbor was an 80-year-old tuba player. Now, I sat there, you know, I am a musician, and I thought, I know there's not too many tuba players that <laughs> Joe Robbie could have lived next to in New York City, right? <laughs> so Joe was probably 50 in 1985, and if he was Peter's age, it would have been around 1960. It's safe to say Joe's neighbor was probably black, which limited him to the jazz scene in the early 20th century. No one hires an old tubist. So this guy made his name in his youth, probably in the 10s or 20s. 
Um, I decided that Joe Robbie was probably living next to Charlie Green, who was a trombonist with the Fletcher Henderson Orchestra in the 1910s and 20s. Lots of recordings. This may be very obscure to you until I tell you Louis Armstrong joined this band uh, not too long after Charlie Green, who, like, because he was a trombonist, he often would probably play tuba in the band. So uh, that's Joe Robbie's neighbor, not Candy, Bambi, or Randy, that's for sure. I'm, I'm just speechless over here. I'm <laughs> <laughs>